above all powers, above all kings, above all nature and all created things, above all wisdom and all the ways of man. You are here before. Above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what in heaven we come before your throne of grace thank you for this opportunity that you've granted unto us to call upon your name as we are about to hear you speak uh, speak once let us hear twice not i but christ alone be seen be known and be heard in jesus name let all the saints say amen and amen amen thank you thank you i greet you beloved saints in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ amen uh well i don't worry about adjusting the, uh, the lights and all that. Uh, some of us are also gifted in that uh, area of color, um, also dark in complexion. Uh, my mom used to call me a black beauty. Uh, but nonetheless, we want to thank the Lord uh, for a time such as this in these unprecedented years that we are able to gather together and listen to God speak. Give us the beautiful words, the wonderful words, and the words of life. 
I know you are in the comfort of your home all the way in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm here in Zimbabwe. We are worlds apart, but nonetheless, we thank God for a time such as this. I don't know what the COVID situation is uh, like in Atlanta, but here in Zimbabwe, well, it's not as bad as it is uh, back, uh, maybe let me say back there, but right there in Atlanta. Uh, here we can still probably uh, do our uh, normal daily routine, uh, but to some extent we try to do it uh, with all the caution that we can be. I hope you're keeping safe. I hope you're masking up. I hope you're washing your hands and you're keeping that social distance. May the Lord be your portion. May the Lord be your guide. May the Lord be your shepherd. May he make you rest um, on that green grass. May his uh, mercy, his, ev his everything follow you all the days of your life. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, may the Lord who is our portion guide us through this entire time. Our eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed. Shall we pray? Our Father who art in heaven, nor I but Christ alone be seen, be known and be heard. In Jesus' name, let all the saints say amen and amen. Well, we want to thank God uh, for a time such as this as we could share the word of God. Um, thank you, Elder Chechu, uh, for giving me the opportunity to share with the church of God um, the word of God. And I want to thank the beautiful sister who gave us that story of how uh, kindness can be contagious. Uh, may you go out there to conquer and conquering for the Lord. May you show kindness wherever it is. I know there's a song we used to sing when I was a child. It says, love is not love until you give it away. There is no point in keeping the benefits of the love that God has given unto us and to ourselves. Let me remind you, love gives us the feeling that we want to feel after the felt feeling so that the feeling that we feel is the feeling we want the other to be felt of the feeling that we feel inside the felt feeling of the feeling to give out. Therefore, for kindness to have that kind of feeling, we ought to give love and kindness out of it. May God bless you totally and completely. Our topic and our discussion for this morning, our sermon is entitled Great Amid His Perplexities. Great Amid His Perplexities. I think probably there was just a, a hiccup on the a text of consideration. It's supposed to be 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 8. Probably I made a mistake. Uh, 1 Corinthians was one which was read. It's 248. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. It says, we are hard-pressed from every side, yet we are not destroyed. We are perplexed, but we are not thrown down. That's the text of consideration where Paul is telling the church in Corinth and those under the dictates of my voice that in as much as we are hard pressed from every side, beloved friend, we are not cast down. When we are perplexed, we are not destroyed. Why? Because God has given us an assurance that he will be with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And God being our assurance, and God being our portion, we have nothing to fear. Pen of inspiration, Ellen White says, unless we forget what the Lord has done for us in the past, then we can only be fearful of the future. For faith becomes the antidote of the one thing, the, the vice that is called fear. Our text of consideration was, uh, I mean, that was our main text. But what I want us to uh, surrender today is from the book of Exodus chapter 14. Allow me, beloved friends, if they're young people under the dictates of my voice, let me remind you, in this world, you don't need to subscribe to Netflix. You don't need to subscribe to Box Office. You don't need DSTV. You don't need Cable Network. Why? Because in the pages of this book are the most exciting stories of our life. If you want anything to talk about love, you find it in this book. If you want... Uh, the days of our lives, you find it in the book. If you want an epic story, you find it in the covers of this black book, the Bible. Beloved friends, let me suggest to you, if ever you are quarantined or locked down wherever you are, make sure you have the Bible with you. For in the covers of this Bible, it is the only book that can make men. And today I want to take you through one of the most epic stories that you find in the Bible. And we find it in the book of Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. I think we read verse 1 right up to 14. We might not read every other verse, but we might go through the particular story. I love this I love this story, man. If ever, if ever, if ever I was going to be a producer of Hollywood, Nollywood, whatever wood it is, I think I'll do a story on the story of the Exodus when the children of Israel are marching from the land of 
bondage, Egypt, right up to Canaan, the land that was promised with milk and honey. But today, I just want to take it from chapter 14, because therein lies one of the most powerful promises that God grants unto us. Now, remember, remember, the entire globe, whether you are in China, whether you are in the States, whether you are in Africa, wherever you are, we are locked down, quarantined. The reason why we are speaking virtually, it is because of COVID-19. And alas, hey-ho, beloved friends, we can confirm you don't need a rocket scientist to tell you that the globe is in a conundrum. But God in times like this has a word for us. The sermon title is Great Amid His Perplexities. I try to, you know, I'm not an English major. I'm just but a pastor who loves uh, preaching and doing children's stuff. But they tell me that the word grit means something that gives you courage, that gives you tenacity, that gives you the, uh, the hope uh, to go out of a situation that is more uh, than comfortable for yourself. The word perplex. Perplexity means a situation you are not comfortable in, a place where you don't want to be. That's why we entitled the sermon, Greet Amid These Perplexities. Of course, we are in an unprecedented time where COVID-19 has ravaged. It has taken our loved ones, not only because we have read through the news, but some of us have actually witnessed it and we have actually seen it with our own eyes. But even in times like this, we need a savior. Well, beloved friend, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I have this hope because I know who holds tomorrow. It is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One songwriter says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Come with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14 as we uh, go through the story that I think is the most epic story in the Bible and the story of our lives. But for you to understand where we are going, you need the pongorosium of the story. You need to understand what had happened. I know you are object, you are object Bible readers. You know this story in and out. It is the story of Moses. Moses who was now called by God to go and deliver the children of Israel who were under the bondage of Pharaoh Ramses. Ramses was the Pharaoh who was leading at this time. And if you have your faith right, if you read the Didache, the book, uh, the extra canonical biblical writing that talks about the way of life and death, it will tell you that Pharaoh Ramses and Moses grew up in the same palace. Yet Ramses was one of the blood lineage to the current, to the Pharaoh who was there. But because Moses was so good in what he did, the love of the Pharaoh fell upon Moses so much that he was treated well like a prince. But alas, hey ho, you know the story that happened when he fought another Egyptian and he went away. And God told Moses, Go and tell Pharaoh that he must let my people go. And when Moses came unto Pharaoh, he told him, The Lord said, Let my people go. And hey, I don't know this kind of. Um, shameless audacity that Pharaoh had, that he even had to ask Moses, who is this Lord that I should listen to him? And Moses told him that the great I am has told me that you might let the people go. You know what? When God said the great I am, he was telling Pharaoh that I am who you want me to be at any given time. God has no one word that describes him. He is who you want him to be in whatever situation he is. In times when you are not sick, he's the healing balm of Jesus. When you are bound and you are not peace, is the prince of peace. So God becomes who you want him to become at the time that you did. That's why he told Moses, tell Pharaoh that the great I am said, you must let my people go. And when Moses went to the uh, in, when went to the palace and Pharaoh wanted to just show Moses what uh, his sorcerers and wizards could do. They threw their sticks and they turned into snakes. And God says, throw your stick, your rod, and he threw his rod. And it swallowed all these other snakes until Pharaoh said, yay, this God might be a big God. Well, that's not where my story is. And you remember the 10 plagues, whatever happened until Pharaoh said, when, now you can go, especially after the death of the firstborn. And when they left Egypt, ah, come on, I want to talk to somebody today. When they left Egypt, God said unto Moses, Moses, wait a minute. You are leaving Egypt. You have been working here, making bricks, not with anything else, but with mortar and with straw. And because of that, Pharaoh never paid you because you were slaves. Now I am going to give you back pay for everything that Pharaoh did to you. So as you leave Egypt, 
Make sure you take all the gold and all the silver and the treasuries of Egypt. Ah, come on. I love this God. When you do something for God, you don't go empty-handed. God will give you bad pay. And Moses took everything and they left Egypt. Now, 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 I want you to picture this situation. So Pharaoh Ramses is seated in his palace and he is regretting, why have I let these people go? Not only did they go, but they left Egypt bankrupt. They took all the treasuries of Egypt to go to Canaan because God asked them to be paid back for everything that they did. So when we get to chapter 14, beloved friends, we are now in a situation where the children of Israel have literally left Egypt and they are earning their way to the land that was promised, the land that flows with milk and honey. So when we get to chapter 14, now come back with me to chapter 13, the last verse. The Bible gives a promise from God. God says, I will give you the Shekinah glory in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night so that you know that I am with you. In fact, God said, you don't just walk, but you follow the beatings and the leading of the cloud. In other words, God proved his presence to the children of Israel in a pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now, when we get to chapter 14, Best number one. Ah, come on. Let me read it to you, Elder Chetu. I get excited when I, I read about this epic story. The Bible says, the Bible says, verse number 14. If you are in Exodus, just quickly go to verse number 14, uh, chapter 14, verse number one. Now, my Bible says, I think this one is a King, New King James Version. The Bible says, now the Lord, ah, come on, you're not with me. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse number two, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihiram, before Mount Migdor, over the sea, opposite Baal Zephon, and you shall camp before it by the sea. Ah, oh, come on. Thank you, thank you, Ikona. I know you are here. But now listen very carefully. It was God who commanded the children of Israel that they might go and camp at Pihiram, before Mount Migdor, opposite Baal Zephon, right in front of the Red Sea. Now, you might not understand the power of this sermon until you understand what Pihiroth is. Pihiroth was a situation of, of perplexities. To the left, there was a mountain called Mount Megdo. To the right, there was Baal Zephon. In front was the Red Sea. In other words, they were quarantined and locked down at Pihiroth. There was nowhere to go. Little did they know that actually this way that is called Pihiroth was prepared by the former pharaohs as a way to, and to put their enemies in, a, in an enchanted and encamped way. No, because this way was a little bit wider, more than the other ways. So if the enemies were running away from Egypt for pharaoh, when they saw the road to Pihiroth, they would turn there, thinking that it would lead them to safety. Little did they know that it was going to a situation where they would be quarantined, locked down, and perplexed, and there was no way to go. My problem with this particular text is verse number one. Why? Because it is God who commanded Moses that they go and camp at Pihiron. In other words, these people will not go anywhere except the cloud had led them there. So it is God who led them to the situation which is called Pihiro. Let me talk to somebody tonight. I don't know your situation, but do you know that sometimes it is God who leads us to these situations we don't understand? Not because he wants us to die, but he wants to show himself powerful. Don't worry about all these situations that you find, some, you find yourself sometimes in. Maybe it is God who has put you in that situation. Maybe because God wants his name to be glorified. Maybe you want people to know the power of God. So many a times, don't quick to blame the devil for the things that come in our life. For it is the Lord God who commanded Moses and the children of Israel to go to Pihiroth, where they were locked down and quarantined. To the left, there was a mountain. To the right, a mountain. In front is the Red Sea. And Datan and Korah went to Moses and told him, man, why have you brought us here? Do you not know what Pharaoh does to his enemies when they are found in this a situation called Pihiroth? Now, if you read your Bible very well, you realize that the moment they were at Pihiroth, word got to Pharaoh. And Ramses was told, Pharaoh, the children of Israel 
and now it be Hiron. <laughs> now it's getting interesting. And Pharaoh asked the question, read Patriarchs and Prophets. He was wondering who is this foolish commander who has told the children of Israel to go to P. Hiron? Have they not known that this is a place we created to massacre our enemies? By the way, by the way, you need to understand what the Pharaohs used to do to their enemies. They would do what is called planing. Planing is when they would cut your skin with a razor. They would remove the skin here and your blood veins, your vessels, the sinews will be just shining there and they'll put you in front of the fire. Why? Because you don't just kill your enemies. You want them to go through a gruesome and excruciating pain before they die. So when they realize that, wow, we are here, they remembered what Pharaohs did in the past and they cried and cried. And said to Moses, hey, my friend, why have you brought us here? Let me tell you, beloved friend, I don't know what situation you are in. Sometimes it is the Lord who puts us in the pit of our situation. It is the Lord sometimes who put us in perplexing situations. Sometimes it is the Lord who has driven us to where we are. Only that his power might be seen. Well, I'm not saying this, but could it be pro probably, could it be probably that coronavirus has come because God would want to show himself powerful in our life? I'm just thinking... I have not made a statement, but many a times we are in such situations because God would want to see if we are faithful to him, if we have faith, not the fear, because faith becomes the the virtue that overrides the vice that is called fear. Remember the three Hebrew boys, they were put in fire not that God did not know, but God was waiting to be the first man in the fire before they are thrown. I don't know your situation, but the Lord is right there with you. Fear not, for I am with you. That's the promise that the Lord gives unto us. And now, beloved friends, when Moses, when Pharaoh heard that now they are at Pihiro, oh, come on. What a, a, now, this is what Pharaoh did. Remember, the Bible says God did it because he wanted his power to be seen. And Pharaoh, when he realized that they were at Pihiron, they were quarantined, they were in a perplexing situation. Now, I want you to come with me. I want you to open your Bible. I want you to read. You know, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. But I want you to slow down and read with me. Well, I could have read all the other verses with you. But let's quickly go to uh, verse number five. Now, it was told the king of Egypt that the people have fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let the children of Israel go from serving us? Verse number six. Now walk with me. The Bible says, so he made red his chariot and took his people with him. <laughs> ah, I love this particular story. Now, now, now. I, I don't know how it happens in America or in Nigeria. Of course, I've been in Nigeria once and I visited the governor of Abba, uh, who is also an Adventist. And wow, what a time it was. But here in Zimbabwe, we are a one party, we are a one, um, one government. I mean, we don't have so many governors and whatever because our Zimbabwe is so small. Actually, the entire Zimbabwe is smaller than Lagos. That's how small my country is. But here, the president is one person who is guarded left, right, and center, full time and overtime, even in extra time, the president is being guarded. And he has this uh, presidential guard that is so good. But now, when the president is moving along the streets of Harare, you don't need anyone to tell you that this is the president's car. You can see because it is in its own state. And it is a number plate that is written Zim 1 to show that it, it is the first car in Zimbabwe. So at this point, Pharaoh took Egypt 1, if I could call it. It was the chosen chariot of Pharaoh. Verse number six is saying, he called the chosen chariot of Egypt to go and massacre the children of Israel. But now, listen, if you read your extra biblical canonical writing, you'd understand that the chosen chariot of Pharaoh was driven by 12 horses. So 12 horses were on Pharaoh's chariot. Now, listen to verse number seven. The Bible then says, he also took 600 choice chariots. Now, 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 walk with me closely. Pharaoh took the first chariot of Egypt, Egypt, which is carrying chariot number one. After choosing chariot number one, Egypt one, he went again and he took 600 chosen chariots. Now listen to this. We'll get to the interesting part of this. Now the chosen chariots were not the first chariot of Egypt. This was the second phase of the chariot. It had 600 choice chariots. 600 choice chariots that were pulled by eight horses on one chariot. You can do the math. So Pharaoh took one chariot, the first of Egypt, 600 choice chariots over and above. Now we have 601 chariots. 
after civilians who have been delivered by their God. But it gets so interesting when you get to verse number verse number number six. Says, you took 600 cross chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over each and every one of them. Now, so what we have now is we have 601 chariots and 601 captains because each chariot had a captain over them. But these are not the normal chariots. These are the choice chariot and the chosen chariot. As if that was not enough. Verse number eight says, um, oh, verse number seven towards the end says, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with the boldness. Verse number nine. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh. His horsemen, his army, his footmen overtook them camping by P. Hyrod. Now, 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 now. Before I get excited, let, let, listen to what is happening. Pharaoh did not only take his chosen chariot. He took the 600 choice chariots and the rest of the chariots, which were not the choice chariots. He then took on top of the 601 chariots and the other chariots, horsemen and foot soldiers to pursue civilians who had nothing. They didn't have a knife or a spoon, but they were civilians who were going to a promised land. So Pharaoh was very angry. Do you know why? Because the children of Israel had emptied the treasures of Egypt and Pharaoh was so wrathful and he was going for the kill. Elder Churchill, allow me to suggest this. When you want to go and buy a car or when you want to go and buy a generator, or anything that uses power or electricity. Did you know that power is quantified and qualified in horsepower? <laughs> you did not hear this. Everything that is power is defined by the power of horses. In other words, if you want a generator, you say, I want a six horsepower generator, or I want a, a Ferrari that is this power of horses. In other words, horses are so powerful that power is quantified and qualified in its strength. You know, in Zimbabwe, there is what is they call an OK Grand Challenge, the race course, where horses just do races. Before I was an Adventist, my father used to take me there on Saturday. Only 12 horses ride in that Colosseum. But when the 12 horses are hitting the ground, all the terraces will be shaking with only 12 horses. Now imagine, Pharaoh had more than 601 chariots, not even counting the ones that are not choices. So when the horses were coming after the children of Israel, the decibel of the sound of the horses as they marched towards the children of Israel was so deafening and frightening that they started crying out to Moses. By the way, as the horses were rattling and rumbling the ground, the pebbles and the stones were going up and down, telling you that Pharaoh was coming for the children of Israel. And at this time, they were quarantined and locked down at P. Hyrule. They were hard pressed on every side. They were perplexed and they had nowhere to go. And Pharaoh was coming. Imagine the situation. There's the Red Sea in front. There's Baal-Zephon at the left. There's Mount Migdol at the right. And Pharaoh is coming, not only with his chosen chariot, with 600 choice chariots and the rest of the chariots of Egypt. The artillery of Egypt was empty that day, coming for the children of Israel. And yet they were there. So the rattling and the rumbling of the ground was good enough for them to be fearful. Now listen to verse number 10. I like this particular verse. The Bible says, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, were there no graves in Egypt that you have brought us to die in this wilderness? Man, oh man, man, oh man, listen to this. Cowards die a million times before their natural death. Who told the children of Israel they were going to die? Because they were so afraid of the sound of Pharaoh. Let me tell you, beloved friends, God is looking for a people who will stand true to him and say, even though who still stand. Remember the, the, the three Hebrew boys. They say, our God shall deliver us. But even if he does not come, we will not worship you, O master. They were so faithful to their God that fear could not remove them from their God. Now listen, listen, listen. So the children of Israel, because of their fear, they said to Moses, were there no graves in Egypt that you have brought us to die in this wilderness? Now listen very carefully. This number 10 gives us yet another problem in this chapter. The Bible says, when they lifted up their eyes, 
Lo and behold, they saw Pharaoh. Nah, you are not with me. You are not with me. So when they lifted up their eyes, they were supposed to see the Shekinah glory. Because when chapter 13 ended, God gave them a promise of his presence in the pillar of cloud. So lifting up their eyes, the one thing they were supposed to see was the presence of God in the pillar of cloud. The presence of God in the pillar of fire. But they decided to forego the presence of God and decide to see the enemy instead of seeing the God who says, ah, come on, man. Listen, beloved friends. Blessed are they who in any perplexing situation are not afraid of the enemy, but look to the presence of the Lord and say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Beloved friend, our God is still in control of the affairs of men. Many a times, many times, you know, there are many people who think the Adventist church does not have miracles. We experience miracles every day of our lives. It's only that we don't talk about them because miracles have become our lifestyle. If you want to see the miracles of God, stand true upon the promises of God and you see what you do. Who told them they were going to die? Why were you so fearful that you thought you were going to die? You know, Ellen White says Moses was the most humble and meek man upon planet Earth. Now I understand. Even when Datan and Korah and all these people ganged upon him and said, Moses, why have you brought us up here to die? You know, Moses did not panic because God, Moses knew the God that he worshipped. <laughs> now listen to what, what Moses said to these guys. He says, guys, 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 <laughs> stand still. Why are you so afraid? Fear not, for the Lord will show you salvation today. But one thing I want to promise you, look at these Egyptians, for I want you to look at them thoroughly. For these Egyptians, you shall see them no more forever again. <laughs> amen, amen. Now, no, 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 you must listen to the text of this particular story. Now, remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. If you read this particular text in, in actual Hebrew, Moses is saying to those who were crying unto him, the fearful, he said, hey, guys, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord today. But I want you to look at these Egyptians for the very last time in your life because you shall see these Egyptians no more forever again. Let me talk to somebody today. I don't know what Egyptians are troubling you. It could be you don't have a child. It could be all the problems in this world have given a location at your house. I don't know what you are going through, but listen, today the Lord is giving you a promise. Look at your problems one last time, for you shall see them no more forever again. But now let me come, let me, let, 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 let me come to, to, to this, Chris. Chris, you get excited about this one. Listen to this one. Now, 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 Uduma, this is what, this is what Moses said to these children of Israel who were crying. Now, in Africa, I know you guys are Nigerians, but you are staying in, in America. So that will qualify you as an African-American or American-African, but there's an African somewhere. So let me just call you African. Now, listen to this. This is very important. Did you know that many African countries, I think including Nigeria, we don't believe that people just die. That's why one of the most problematic uh, fundamental belief is the state of the dead. People don't really believe that people actually die, which we also find in the book of Genesis chapter 3. You know the story and you know the issues with African people. And when people have actually died, people don't really believe people have actually, until they've done what is called body viewing. So this thing that we call body viewing is actually closure so that people might even say, ah, truly he has gone. But for some of us, including those who are under the dictates of my voice, even if we do body viewing, we still don't believe that people who have died are already dead. We still continue seeing them doing whatever they do. It's like a dead car pulling a light. No, that does not happen. The dead know nothing, let me tell you today. But for these people, now the issue that is called the body viewing, it is done for people to get closure. So that's why when people have died, before we bury them, we do what is called body viewing to confirm that they are dead indeed. But when you read verse number, verse number, number 13, the Bible says, Moses said, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which you accomplish for you today. Take note of the Egyptians that you see now, for you shall see them no more forever. So what Moses was telling the children of Israel is in case you are these kind of Africans who don't believe people have actually died, 
in the history of humanity who do something that has never been done before. We'll start with the body viewing because after these people are gone, there is no opportunity for you to view their bodies because what God is going to do to these people, there will be no opportunity for a body viewing. So see the Egyptians today because you shall see them no more forever again. So in the history of humanity, the first time body viewing was done before people were dead was at the Red Sea. Why? Because there will be no opportunity for them to be seen again. Beloved friends, I don't know how perplexing your situation is, but God is looking for a people who have the grit of Moses. Even amidst a situation where you have a mountain to the left, a mountain to the right, Red Sea in front, and Pharaoh is coming, you can put your hands in the pocket and say, oh, stand still, fear not, and see the salvation of it. And you even fold your head. That's the power of grit amidst perplexities. But let me conclude this story uh, because we are about to go and have lunch for you. And for me, I'm almost about to go and sleep. But now, let's conclude this story. I have a problem. I have a problem with Moses. One problem. One, one, one. One, one. It's my own personal problem. If you want it to be your problem also, you can have the problem with Moses. Moses robbed us of a miracle, guys. Moses robbed us of a miracle. Remember the story of Moses. Moses was clutching on divinity in that road. Because it is the road that hit the rock and water came out. It is the road that Moses was using for whatever he was doing. So Moses was clutching on divinity when the road was in his hand. So God would always ask him, what is it that is in your hand? And Moses would use the hand. Now let's come to the conclusion. This is what Moses did. I have a problem with Moses. Moses pointed at the Red Sea. Ah, come on. Moses robbed us of miracles, beloved friends. Of course, of course. Before we come to uh, what Moses did against I me, mean, I don't know about you, but what Moses did by pointing at the Red Sea, many biblical writers and scholars and people who studied the Bible, they say there was a multiplicity of miracles, even up to a 10,000th point that happened when Moses pointed at the Red Sea. What do I mean? The ground became level, mud became dry, aquatic life that was in the middle where the children of Israel moved, I don't know what happened to it. Let the fish swim backwards, and there was a wall that was made out of water, which has never been seen. I mean, there was a lot of miracles that happened. We could spend the whole day talking about the miracles that happened when Moses pointed at the Red Sea. But my problem, Elder Church with Moses, he pointed at the Red Sea. If I was Moses, before pointing at the Red Sea, I would turn to Pharaoh Ramses and point at him and all his, his artillery and the, the Egyptian soldiers, whether they were going to turn into frogs, whether their loins were going to lose, I don't know, but Moses robbed us of a miracle. We could have seen the power of God if Moses had pointed at them before that could happen. Well, if you want to tantalize my mind a bit, imagine, 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 I am just thinking aloud, imagine. What would happen if Moses had pointed at Baal Zephon or Mount Megiddo? Actually, you realize if he had pointed at Mount Megiddo, they would have walked straight into the land of Canaan without wasting much time. So Moses could have simply pointed at Mount Megiddo. It would have melted like wax and they would easily straight go into the land of Canaan. Maybe, maybe, I am just thinking. Um, allow me to think outside the box. Remove the box and allow me to think. What would have happened if Moses had pointed up up sky, up into the heavens. Maybe Jacob's ladder would have come down and they would have walked into not the promised Canaan of this planet Earth, but they would have walked into the Canaan of heaven and a history would have rewritten. The book of Hebrew, the book of Proverbs, the book of uh, Exodus would have heard a different story if Moses had pointed up. I don't know what could have happened, but the power was in the hands of Moses. Let me talk to somebody tonight. Could it be that sometimes the situation you are in is because you don't have faith or you don't do as what you remember Ellen White says, when we get to heaven and God would have shown us what we could have accomplished if we had acted in faith, we will be surprised. Sometimes we are in where we are. Remember, James says, we do not have because we do not ask. And then sometimes we ask amiss. 
God is willing to do for us greater things that no man has not seen. But we are so afraid to put God to it. You know, I mean, look at Joshua. Joshua did not even consult God. He just pointed at the sun and told the sun as if he is talking to me. Son, stand still. I need to finish this Gibeonite. And the sun respected Joshua. Come on. I get excited when I talk about this story. Maybe Moses should have pointed into the sky. But nonetheless, he pointed at the Red Sea. And I'm still happy with his decision to point at the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted. And they walked on dry ground as if... <laughs> ah, I love this God. I love this God. God will make a way where there is no way. As long as you are faithful to God, as long as you are not afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, sometimes I get excited that I even forget to end preaching. But before I, I pray and conclude this story, beloved friends, let me give you this assurance. Our God is in charge of the affairs of men. Ask Daniel, ask the three Hebrew boys, ask Joseph, ask anyone. They'll tell you that God is in charge of the affairs of his children. And Moses pointed at the Red Sea. The Red Sea parted and they walked on dry ground as if nothing happened. Ah, man, man, oh, man. Time, time is just so jealous. No wonder the author of the book of Hebrews says, and time would fail me to talk of the great things that we can glean from the story of the children of Israel. But allow me, Elder Church, you and the church at large, to end it here tonight. When we meet again, we'll continue the story of the children of Israel. And they walked on dry ground as if nothing happened. Beloved friends, don't die a million times before your natural death because God is counting upon you to be faithful that his power might be seen. God is asking you to show grit, to show tenacity, to show courage in every perplexing situation. Don't give up. Don't look for shortcuts because when you do so, you rob yourself of a miracle and God wants his power to be seen through your life in your perplexing situation. And to you, my beloved friends at Atlanta, Georgia, I say to you, beloved friends, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians in your life, you shall see them no more forever. God bless you and God keep you until we meet again. Amen and amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank you for a time such as this. Thank you for reminding us again that you are in charge of the affairs of men. To you, my beloved friends at Atlanta, Georgia Church, I say to you in final benediction, have faith in God, his promises are true. Have faith in God, he has never lost a battle. Have faith in God, he'll give you peace, peace in your heart and peace in your home. Have faith in God, all things are possible through him who gives us strength. Have faith in God, he will surely give you grief amidst the perplexities of your life. In Jesus' name, let all the saints say, amen and amen. Amen. Yeah.